This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right, here we are, hour number two on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And you know what that means on a Friday. It means we're joined by senior producer from NFL Films, also co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. It is Greg Cosell joining us. Greg, how you doing? You ready for these conference championship games? I believe I am, yeah. I'm sure in Philly they probably started tailgating about four days ago. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, let's begin, though, with the playoff loss that the Bills suffered in the divisional round last week. And we know that the defense was just not with it in that game, blown coverages on each of the first two touchdowns by Cincinnati. Um, but what about Buffalo's offense? Why do you think – they spun their wheels as much as they did. Um, you know, it's an interesting question because in some ways you could argue that they that they didn't in some ways. I mean, I think they play the way that they played, Brownie. You know, we, we've talked at times throughout this season, the fact that they, you know, the old line is probably uh, needs an upgrade in, in certain areas. They don't really run the ball with any kind of volume or consistency. Um, there have been games where the run game has been a factor, but it's not really the way in which they play. So it's really an offense that's built on the ability of Josh Allen to make plays. And it's kind of a tribute to him that they've been able to win so many games playing that way because it's hard to play that way, to be honest, where you're you're expecting your quarterback just to do it every week. And I think, you know, I was thinking about this since they lost that game. I think in some ways we became mesmerized by what Josh Allen did in the playoffs last year. Those two games were superhuman. They can't happen all the time, but they were so, so good that I think we started to believe, uh, probably many of us, that this is just going to happen pretty regularly. And that's really hard. You know, um, you know, let's say let's say, for instance, that. Josh had hit Diggs on third and 10 late in the second quarter of second reaction movement where he left the throw just a little bit wide. I'm sure you remember the yeah, play. Right. Uh, it's a play we've seen him make many times, correct? Yeah. Sure, yeah. And he just missed it by, you know, two, you know, a foot or two. If he makes that throw, it changes the whole game. And I'm not saying they win the game. No one knows what would have then happened, but that could have changed uh uh, was that the drive they ended with uh, any points? That or was the no first. There was no points, and they. I think it was the first drive of the game, and it was the first. That so was late in the, the second quarter. Oh, late in the second. That was late. Quarter. Yeah, yeah, late in the second quarter. Um, but the point is, in in some ways, they played kind of Bills football, and they just missed some opportunities. Look, Davis obviously on that long throw going uh, down the left sideline. Um, yep. I, that was in the second half. I know that for yes. sure. He, he could have caught that ball, you know, so 
in many ways, as I kind of watched that game and I went through it twice on that side of the ball, you could argue that they kind of played the way they normally play. Uh, and, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't work in that game. Now, that raises a larger question about whether they need to sort of change their approach offensively. And that's a discussion that, uh, you know, Brandon Bean and, and Sean McDermott and others are going to have to have as they self-evaluate in this offseason. Yeah, and that's, the, that's kind of the follow-up question. I mean, they're number two in scoring. Um, right. And they did that through a season where Brian and I were just talking about they turned it over like it was their job in the second half of the season. Right. And still yeah. managed to go on an eight-game winning streak. Um, why? I mean, if you're going to change something, just don't turn it over and keep going, right? I mean, that it seems crazy to change that formula. Yeah, and and that's that's the big question because you know clearly this was a team that, and you guys would know the record better. But going back to last year, Brownie. When they after they lost to Indianapolis last year, which was what week five or six, somewhere around there, give or take, I can't remember the exact. I think it was week. second half of the season, actually. Yeah, I think it was November was it ele- November eleventh. Yeah, it's like okay. week ten. So their their record going back to that game has been pretty outstanding. Um, so twenty five and five. Yeah, you make a pretty good point, you know. But then you play a playoff game. I guess what I'm saying is they've won a lot of games. And, and I don't know the answer to this. I'm just trying to pose the questions, which I'm sure they're posing in there, you know, that'll be discussed in, in, in the building is if you look at the way the team is structured offensively in particular, it really is structured around the ability of, of one player to be great pretty consistently. And for the most part, he has been, yeah. um, you know, you guys have watched a lot of football as have I, you have to decide if that's a realistic approach to get to the big game, you know, because obviously that hasn't happened yet. Right. right. Uh, that was November 21st, actually, week 11 last year with the Indianapolis. And since the, then. That was the only time they got run out of the gym, as Brandon right. Bean said. Right. right. And since right. then, those last seven games, well, eight, nine games uh, last year, and then moving into this year, they're like 20, 25 and five over their last 30. And yeah. the losses and, and, you were. Know, even yeah. those, you know, everybody talked about how they got physically beaten this week. It was interesting because in the first half, the Bengals had 29 called passes and 12 called runs. It's just that the runs gained some yards, but it wasn't if the Bengals just came out and ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball. You know, they, they like I said, they had 29 called passes and 12 called runs in the first half. Right. right. Yeah. And there, I think, and Steve and I have talked about this a lot on the show, since the DeMar Hamlin situation, this team hasn't looked the same either. I think the emotional no. toll there uh, compromised their play on the field also. To what degree exactly, we'll never know. But against the Bengals, they didn't even look like the team that we had watched for most of the season in our estimation. Um, there just wasn't the want to. It just wasn't there. And even some of the players said, we just didn't have the energy that we normally have on the no, field. And, and that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, none of us know how something like that, I mean, you're talking about a life and death situation. This is not just like a normal injury for a player that happens that players accept in football. Everybody gets injured. This was a totally different situation, you know, and even through the course of the season, having to go to Detroit to play the, uh, the you know, that game where uh, because of the snow, you know, and, and you can say these are excuses. Some might say that, um, but you know, none of us can understand what they really dealt with, you know, right. during the season. And maybe they just were emotionally spent. Who knows the answer to that? No one does. Two questions about two rookies uh, going forward for this team. And then we'll move on to the conference title games. Uh, Khalil Shakir 
showed yep. more and more as the season went on. His opportunities didn't increase to any great degree, but to some degree. What do you see for him maybe as a future in the slot? And then we heard Brandon Bean talking about how they may be moving Christian Benford to safety full-time next year, knowing his skill set and being, you know, a 6-1 player on, on the in the secondary. What do you what do you think about that prospect for those two players going forward? Well, as you guys probably recall, when they drafted Shakir, I told you how much I liked his tape coming out of college. And I said that I thought he'd be some kind of factor this season. Um, to be honest, it didn't quite work out the way I thought it would. I thought he'd be more of a factor, but it was clear as the season progressed, he did make some plays. And I think that he'd be a guy I'd, I'd seriously consider playing, you know, as a slot receiver next year. Um, I think there's a lot more there to to be developed. And I think he could be a good good receiver. Um, Bedford, I, I did not see him coming out of Villanova. So my first real look at him was playing corner for the Bills. Um, but he is long. He's pretty athletic. I mean, clearly they want Elam to be the starting corner opposite White. So, and I think Elam has better traits overall than, than Benford. So if that's the case, if you like the player, which I think they do, because he, obviously he, he played well enough at corner through training camp and through the early part of the season that he was getting more snaps than Elam. Right. So, you know, if they like the player, um, you know, it might make perfect sense. I mean, you know, I know that the things I don't follow our contract status is are Poyer and Hyde going to be bills next year or, or is Poyer a free agent? Poyer is Poyer's a free a, agent. Hyde has a year left. So Hyde is likely to be back. Poyer could well not be back. You know, again, we don't know how right. the organization sees. I mean, we know he's a really good player. The organization would say that, but there's obviously many factors that go into how much you pay a particular player. So it's possible Poyer could not be there. Let's move on and talk about these games this weekend. Uh, 49ers at Philly. Uh, this looks like it's going to be like a three to two game, maybe, and you know, slow, low scoring slugfest. What What do you see with San Francisco, Philly, and these yeah, two quarterbacks I'm, in particular? I'm I'm kind of fascinated by this game because Philly's offense has been a lot of fun to watch this year. You know, when Hertz has played um, and and been healthy, um, his abilities as a runner really makes it difficult to defend that offense because he's in the gun on almost every play. So, you know, unless it's third and long, there's a, a run element, a designed run element that is there that you have to defend that really puts a burden on second level defenders. He's really improved as a passer. He's, he, he can make throws from the pocket. They do a great job with design in their pass game. And I think with the two receivers, Smith and AJ Brown, I think they're going to attack on the outside. And I'm not suggesting that the corners for the 49ers, Lenore and Ward, who've played well, I'm not suggesting they're weak players. But I think this defense is really, really strong down the middle. And I think that the Eagles, who as this season progressed, really started to throw more outside the numbers. I think you're going to see them look to attack there and see how that goes. They hit some vertical throws. Hertz has became a, a very good deep ball thrower. Um, I think they're a tough offense to defend. Now, the Niners obviously have a very, very good defense. They have the best linebacker in the game in Fred Warner. They've got two really good nickel linebackers with Greenlaw. Obviously, we know about Bosa. Um, so uh, there's something inside me is thinking that the Eagles are going to score. And when I say score, they're not going to put up 40. Don't get me wrong. 
but I don't think they're going to put up 13. I think they're going to score some points. Which path that might answer this question that I had for you. We have two pretty formidable fronts here. We know yes. that the Eagles led the league in sacks. We know San Francisco wasn't far behind. Which pass rush do you think has the better chance of being more effective on Sunday? I think, Brownie, much of that will depend on situational football. You know, I think that the way both teams play in normal down and distance situations minimizes pass rush because the 49ers will play an awful lot out of 21 personnel with two backs, one tight end and two wide receivers and use check the fullback being one of those backs. And they are so multiple formationally out of that personnel package that that's difficult for defenses as well. So I think you're really getting into pass rush situations. Um, I would think the Eagles would attack the right tackle, McGlinchey, and that's where Hassan Reddick lines up. Um, you know, I would think that that uh, Nick Bosa would get some snaps against Jordan Maialata. Um, So I think it really is, is situational. Um, and and then then it comes down to um, you know Purdy is has played well. He's not been quite as sharp the last two weeks, but he's played well clearly overall for a a rookie quarterback. Um, so that's a hard question to answer. I really believe that it'll come down. Look, look what happened last week with the Niners offense. Because their defense is so good, they could stay with the run game, but they really did not have the kind of pass game I think that they wanted to have. We're looking at a play that was obviously fluky. Kittle wasn't even part of the progression. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. But, uh, you know, Purdy has started to do a couple of things that he's going to have to be careful with. He's starting to retreat backwards when he faces pressure and he's starting to move to his left and both of those things, you know, can cause problems. How good is Brock Purdy now? And what's his upside? What's how possible? I mean, obviously he's in a, almost the perfect situation for a young quarterback with a running game and a defense to protect him, yeah. a, you know, great, an elite great and elite playmakers around him. I mean, it's hard to imagine a better landing spot, but how good could Brock Purdy be? Um, You know, it, I think Purdy is what ultimately he, he is, and I don't think he'd be more than this. And I, when I say that, I don't mean this in a negative way at all. He would be a a, a distributor and a high-level executor of a well-schemed offense who gives you some secondary action movement. That, I think, is what Brock Purdy is. Um, and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But, I mean, I don't think we'd ever be talking about Brock Purdy in the conversation, you know, with Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, you know, probably even Jalen Hurts at this point in, in Hurts' career. I don't think we'd be talking about Purdy in that same way. But in a Kyle Shanahan offense, if you are a high-level distributor of the football, um, then you are a really good player. And he gives them something Garoppolo couldn't give them, which is – the play-action boot game, which Kyle Shanahan always wants to have, and some secondary action movement because he's got light athletic feet. So he could be a very efficient player in the context of that offense. Flipping it over to the AFC title game, Greg, the, the one thing that I'm interested in are the problematic matchups for both defenses here based on the weapons that you know each of these offenses can throw right. out there on the field. Which defense do you feel has more problematic matchups to deal with in your estimation? Wow. I think that the, the chiefs have more problematic matchups. If you're talking one-on-one -on -one type matchups. And I think that the Bengals have their, their matchup issues would stem more from the scheme that the chiefs 
run because I think the Chiefs are very schematic, particularly in given situations. Okay. Um, you know, we've seen that the Bengals, you know, everybody talks about rushing three and dropping eight. Okay. Yeah. That in and of itself shouldn't pose a problem, but it's how they do that. I went back and looked at, at week 13. They played this year, back last year in the AFC championship game. When they rush three and drop eight, it's really noticeable who the defensive end is that they drop. The large, large percentage of the time, that defensive end drops on the side of Kelsey. And I think they do that because it immediately presents kind of a bracket situation on Kelsey, and it takes Mahomes' eyes off of Kelsey right away. Now, Mahomes is capable of doing a lot of things, obviously, but it takes his eyes off Kelsey right away because it appears that there's two players who are going to be in position to defend him. Right, and that and making sh- knowing that if you're Kansas City, does that and they've done this a ton. I mean, they'll put Kelsey everywhere. Um, that's the they that's start the response, they start right? throwing yeah. him around and and moving him and shifting him and and like everybody does, they've all got this the ability to shift and motion and move guys around. Yep. Kansas City, uh, I've seen them also go static, and what does go and you know go go line up and move and go. Uh, what does what advantage does that give Kansas City? Because if they know, or maybe they have already anticipated who's going to match up with him in that down and distance, I don't know. Yeah, a couple of thoughts I have. It wouldn't surprise me. And again, we don't know about Mahomes. Uh, apparently, he practiced this week, you know. And uh, so let's assume he's close. You know, he can't possibly be a hundred percent, but let's assume he's relatively okay. It would not surprise me, Steve, to see them do some no huddle tempo. Again, you don't have to snap the ball right away. But as you know, no huddle tempo. Look, you played in that kind of offense. Defenses can't do a lot of communication and pre-snap adjustment because they don't know when the ball is going to be snapped. And I think one of the things, and Brownie, you brought this up last week about Lou Anaramo, and you're so right, is he's so good with that kind of thing. And that might minimize what, how much he can do that if, if the Chiefs decide to you know, go some no huddle. Right, and it's it's all about getting first downs. You don't want to go no huddle, and ten seconds are off the play clock, and you're already one, two, three, and out. Um, right, that's that's the key thing. Plus, if if you go no huddle too, and I don't know, maybe the Chiefs have a way of doing this. It's really difficult to shift in motion out of no huddle. Yeah, and I'm not sure they're necessarily worried about that. I think you know you made a good point about where they line up Kelsey it's very possible cuz Kelsey can line up everywhere you might see them split Kelsey out a little more right. at times because then it becomes a little more difficult for someone from the inside to to be able to bracket him or be involved in a double because then if you want to double him or bracket him then you're dealing with a safety doing that more than likely could it be a linebacker yeah but you have to show that so you know this is going to be a really good chess match here because Kelsey, he makes that pass game go, obviously, other than Mahomes. And you can't you can't just let him, you know, be a big factor in the game. Okay, so going from Anarumo to Spagnolo now, back in the twenty twenty AFC title game with the Bills, Spagnolo gave Allen fits because he would change the coverage with five seconds left on the play clock and it wouldn't yeah. give Allen enough time to check his offensive play call and he would get a bad look sometimes. How effective could that be against the Bengals' offense, knowing how sometimes, at least to me, it seems like Burroughs, where he's going with the football is predetermined with how fast he gets the ball out. Can that compromise some of that if he spins the dial late in the play clock? Sure. 
And I think that was one of the things that did not happen week 13, Brownie, is that the uh, Chiefs were a little static. They did not pressure much. They played a lot of coverage, um, and they really didn't change the picture a lot. I would expect them to do more of that, you know, just as the Bengals did this week against Josh Allen. I, you know, change the picture and make the quarterback work a little bit. One of the strengths of Burrow, and it's one of the reasons he's a great, great player, is he really knows where he's going with the ball before the ball is snapped. He's one of those guys. He plays that kind of game. And you'd like, and it won't happen every snap, of course, nothing happens every snap, but you'd like in certain situations to change the picture pre-snap to post-snap just to create a little bit of hesitation because they still have offensive line issues. And this is a very good pass rush group. They're among the league leaders in pressure of quarterbacks. So, you know, you have Chris Jones. He's a real tough handle. They got a kid named Michael Dana who's been a really big part of what they do playing both D tackle and D end in pass rush situations. So this is, you know, and obviously they have Frank Clark. Um, so, you know, I think that that's a really important point. It would not surprise me if you see more of that from Spags this weekend. You know, you talk about Spags and how, and also how Cincinnati has with Lou Anarumo and all the things he does, which of these defenses do you think is a better matchup for the defense Against which offense? I mean, which one of these defense has the upper hand compared to the other? Wow. Um, Obviously, that, that, different that, matchups. That's a question with a lot of variables. Um, you know, I think that anytime you're playing three wide receivers, the quality of Chase Higgins and Boyd, you potentially have issues. Um, because, you know, look, I think that, the, you know, the Chiefs are playing, you know, they're playing with rookie corners. When they go nickel, they play with two rookie corners, and they're good players, and McDuffie was a first-round pick, and I really loved his tape coming out of UW, but he's a rookie corner. Um, so we'll see. Sneed, they brought him back inside this past week, um, and I'm sure that had to do with the opponent, um, but he'd been playing outside in their nickel, and they brought McDuffie inside in, in weeks prior to that, so we'll see what they're what they do this week. But anytime you're playing with two rookie corners against this receiver group, Steve, I think you know, I'm not saying it's a problem. There's ways to camouflage and compensate for it that Spags knows way better than I do. But those are three really good receivers. Yeah. Greg, as always, thanks for the insight. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming on today. Enjoy those conference championship games this weekend. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks, Greg. All right, that's Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films, joining us as he does on Fridays during the season. And uh sounds like he's leaning towards Cincinnati winning that football game. He's, he's genuinely concerned about the two rookie corners for the Chiefs being out there in nickel personnel. Mm -hmm. um, and I understand why. It's a heck of a receiving core they got over there. Yeah, and, and I don't know that they've got a – certainly the Chiefs' pass rush is, is quality, but I don't know that they've got a dominant enough pass rush to get home in time to – you know, 2.5 seconds is what Burrow gets rid of. But that's hard, man, to get back to the quarterback that fast. So I think – with those three wideouts, if Burrow picks the right guy, there's going to be somebody on every play that he's going well, to be why, able to. Well, that's why I asked Greg that question that I did about Spagnolo spinning the dial late in the play clock. He was doing that to Josh in the 2020 AFC title game, and it gave him fits because he didn't have the chance to change the play because the play clock was going to run out. Right. And he would just strategically time it right. where he'd tell his safeties, hey, spin the look on him with five seconds left on the play clock. He'll try to change the play, or he won't have time to do so and be worried he's not in the right play call. And it worked uncommonly well. 
in that game, and it was a it was a big lesson for Josh going forward. I wouldn't be surprised because you've got to do something to affect Burrow. And if he's getting it out that fast, your pass rush isn't getting home, even if somebody's coming clean. That's right. So you got to spin that wheel on him to at least make him pat the ball once. Yeah, and you've got to uh, – yeah, and it's all about indecision. The, the quarterback thinks he's got something. As he drops back and throws, he, he can't throw it there, and, he, and then he holds it. That's what the whole thing is about. You got to get to the guy, and and you get to him because he's got the ball, still got the ball in his hands. Yeah. He can't. There's nobody to throw it to, or um, the guy he wants to throw it to isn't open because you've got him snapped off, and you know you, the third option may be open, but he can't get there in time. It's all about, and it all happens fast. And that's you know good quarterbacks, man. They know it. They got that stuff down cold. They know where they're going to go with the football. You always hear quarterbacks talking about predetermining. Sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's bad. And usually it's bad because you got to play football. And when you start predetermining where you're going, anybody who wa- any good coaching staff who watches film is going to know what you're seeing and they're going to take it away and, or bait you into throwing someplace where you shouldn't throw. Break time for us here. When we come back, more of your questions from the OBL. Friday fan mailbag answered by us here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.